0: You are listening to the Young Western podcast with your hosts Cheyenne
1: and Montano Donucat,
0: where we talk about all things from Western lifestyle to your dating stories and honestly everything in between that. (laughs) Hope you enjoy. Guys, we are back with another guest episode. We are super excited to have Jane Ryan on the show today. She is a APRA Australian Champion Breakaway Roper. She's a two-time Pro Tour winner. She's a Mount Isa winner. She's a record holder. She's a mum. She's a business owner, and she has done it all. So we talk about all the things from winning to training horses to her upbringing, her business, where things are going,
1: and other than everything in between. Yeah, we got into all the nitty gritty, we got into Jane's mindset, all um, how she hopes to kind of grow the industry and coach breakaway ropers around the country, and I'm sure around the world. So we really hope you enjoy this chat with Jane. Okay, we are back with our episode, joined by Miss Jane Ryan and Georgie. Um, If you hear her chatting, she's just having a little input, but... Uh, We are very excited to have Jane on today and, of course, Cheyenne is here with us. But we will start this episode, as we always do, with a run review. I personally haven't made a run in the last week, but I did um, head out to Nevada, to Logandale, uh, to the pro rodeo there and um, sort of got to see the pro rodeo thing and that was very fun. We did a lot of driving, um, got to watch some really cool runs at the rodeo. And we came straight back home, all in
0: four days, four or five days. Are you going anywhere soon? Like competing yourself?
1: Um, maybe within the next couple of weeks, I, um, I, I hopefully will be. But it's just been pretty hectic around here, so we'll see if I get somewhere in the next couple of weeks and give Bobby a run.
0: Okay. I haven't really been anywhere, so I don't have too much to report. I feel like I can't even remember anything. Oh, I went on the Easter run, I guess. We, um, I think that we already talked about this though. Yeah, I already did. So I I haven't been anywhere since then, but hello, Jane, we have already interrupted, but have you, um, have you been anywhere, got a bit of a run review for us? I want to say,
2: I'm
0: so awkward at saying that.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just recently got home from the Easter run as well. Um, that's three rodeos for us here in Queensland. So, Destiny Downs on the Friday, Emerald on the Saturday, and Roma on the Sunday, and they're all quite big, um, paying rodeos. And and Honestly, heavily well, entered well, rodeos.
0: Did you get into your run though. Did you get bogged at Destiny Downs?
2: Hell no, no. Oh, it's not no. my first rodeo. It it was um 2 30 in the morning when I got there which is no surprise to anybody and it was starting to shower then so I did not get off the gravel um like I said it's not my first rodeo and I was gone before the second shower or storm I should say it was a bit more than a shower so no 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 bogging I actually said to someone the next day I'm like oh, I feel like I missed out on a huge experience there because everyone had some very cool stories and I'm just like well no no I just uh, parked yeah. in the driveway and I drove out as someone was <laughs> um, in
1: Victoria for
0: that I was surprised that anyone got out I thought everyone got bored
2: pretty much I think there was only a handful of us that didn't so yeah in the minority there um yeah. so not so great at Destiny Downs kind of drew a runner was early in the roping and didn't really need know what was going to need to be done and sort of expected that it would need to be something pretty fast and I missed one reaching for it, which happens. It um, yeah. was 2-4 at Emerald at about midnight on Saturday because the radio ran behind time and there wasn't really a hell of a lot of people left there to watch that, which is probably good. I feel like I do my best work when no one's around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That jagged a little check, I think third or fourth from memory and a little bit too slow at, at Roma, kind of off the start. and Yeah, well, a long way off the start, to be honest. Yeah. And if ran it's... one down and roped it good, but, yeah, too slow. Which yeah. Happens. It,
0: thinking about it, if it makes you, this will probably make you feel worse, to be honest, but
2: <laughs> on the two
0: rodeos that we had in um, Victoria, Help. the other got cancelled there was I think that there might have been like four three or four times at the first rodeo and maybe two times at the second rodeo a breakout one
2: yeah Um, and I did hear that um because the girl who won Finley I think it was where there was only two times is actually from Holland maybe um she works for my cousin and I went and done a clinic earlier in the year and she was literally like, I, I literally showed her how to swing a rope, like she knew nothing. So how exciting to go so and well. win something after, she had a lot of natural talent and I I said that to her at the time, I'm like, you actually have a lot lot more talent than a lot of people that I see and you're picking it up a lot easier, but to win, to win something that fast is absolutely phenomenal. And the
0: cheque she would have got would have been very decent too.
2: Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have said no to that either.
0: <laughs> I'm pretty sure about two times. No, that was, <laughs> yeah, we um we didn't have the best breakaway roping rundown. <laughs>
2: anyway, it happens. It happens, though. It happens. It definitely does happen. Well, I thought
0: that we, like we usually do, we might go back somewhat to the start. We don't need every single detail. But as we kind of said before, I think what most people I feel like this is like a personality trait for you right by now is just your work ethic and however you get through life, being on the road with your kids by yourself, like you've decided to go from working in the mines to having kids then starting your own business. Your work ethic is so prevalent. And I guess that this is probably come from somewhere, a lot to do with your parents and upbringing and stuff like that. So tell us a bit about that if you can.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I've I've always told people that the greatest gift my parents have ever given me is a work ethic. Um, they probably haven't always done things the smartest way or, or things like that, but, but the desire to work hard and, and not be afraid of hard work definitely comes from my parents. Um, yeah. that's all they ever really knew. And, and they passed it down, and I think a little bit of it is probably genetic as well, but that's, I haven't really known anything else other than if I wanted something or I wanted to achieve something to to just put everything into it. Um, yeah. And I'm also super, super competitive by nature. Like yeah. Our household is the most competitive there's ever been. Like everything's a competition in our house. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm so there's always that driving factor as well like I just don't like being mediocre about anything I do
1: so you grew up in South Australia and um you did a lot of sort of camp drafting always obviously growing up around the horses I think that obviously gives you a really big work ethic but your parents had a lot to do with kind of like the McLeod's daughter scene um camp drafting horses all that type of stuff down there right
2: yeah, yep, yeah, for sure. Um, so when I grew up, like, probably the main income stream that my family had or my parents had was my dad was a horse breaker, which you guys would be quite familiar with. Um, Definitely. It's not exactly a walk in the park being a horse breaker. It's it's long days and it's labour and it's um, not always enjoyable. So there was that side of things and then um, they also contracted into the film industry so mum and dad um, with horses and animals so mum and dad had contracts with like some of the older films that a lot of people probably haven't heard of these days but like the man from snowy rivers gallipoli um i really should know more of them off the top of my head but i can't at the moment and then yeah that led into a um contract with the tv show mcleod's daughters which roughly lasted for seven or eight years maybe um so that was kind of when I was in my teenage years and
0: was that sort of um providing horses for those shows or was it like um double work as well like
2: it was it was everything so it's pretty much anything to do with livestock um for like for McLeod's daughters so it was there was horses cattle sheep dogs um so there was that aspect of it providing the actual animals and suitable animals um teaching the actresses and actors how to ride and, you know, obviously taking animals to set and doing the scenes with them and getting them through that and setting that up and keeping them all safe and then as well as a little bit of stunt work and double work um, just for mainly the riding scenes where some of the actresses had to do things that they weren't capable of so one of us girls would step in and do some doubling for them.
0: That is such a cool, like, way to grow up.
2: I know I kind of done that as a teenager and um, like the end of high school and then I worked for dad for a little bit when I left school so I probably in hindsight didn't realize how cool my job was when I um my first job out of school
0: yeah and I guess it would have um you're sort of looking back on all of that now you're surrounded by teachers and clinicians and uh, like horse trainers and things like that it's quite um yeah, I think
2: that's played a massive role into what you're doing now. I would say. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, you know, back back when I was a teenager and I was teaching actresses to ride, and they they were all lovely, um, just genuine, down to earth, normal people just doing their job like the rest of us were. They weren't. There was no kind of celebrity sort of feel about any of it. But um, you know, I'm there getting paid a minimal wage to teach these people that are getting paid a phenomenal wage how to do something and I didn't really know anything about teaching and I just sort of learned as I went and it's definitely the lessons I learned really early on have definitely come full circle and I've been able to apply them and hopefully be a better teacher now in my 30s definitely so
0: you guys did you rodeo a lot growing up though or was that were you camp drafting more
2: Um, no, probably more rodeoing. The odd little camp drafts. Camp drafts weren't as big in South Australia. Um, let's be honest, there's not a lot of the Western industry in South Australia at all. It's kind of I used to tell my parents all the time, it's a horse desert. But that's not true. There's lots of horses in South Australia, and um, the hacking and like the showing game is pretty big. Um, just not a lot of the Western industry. So mainly rodeos, and we did have to travel like a lot interstate, which. I probably need to thank my parents a lot for that they they sacrificed a lot to get us to rodeos and to give us every opportunity to do something and chase something that we loved yeah and so how did
0: you end up in Queensland like how did that happen or
2: when did you um, move to- boyfriend <laughs> oh, that um I always I was never at home in South Australia um yeah. one of those rare people that doesn't really have any kind of affinity with where they grew up. I mean, it'll always be home, but I always wanted to leave. Um, yeah. A big part of that was the horse aspect and that I just knew it was so much bigger in Queensland and New South Wales. And the Queensland way of life, like more so the rural way of life, really appealed to me. Um, yeah. And I, I just really wanted to go and test it out and try it. And yeah, through various channels and a boyfriend at the time and things like that. I got an opportunity, and I quit my job with Dad and moved to Queensland, and I'm still here. Yeah, got you. So
1: yes. When?
2: How old were you yes. when you first
1: moved?
2: Uh when I moved to Queensland, I was twenty. Yeah.
1: And were you roping then?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I roped since I was little. Um, I have a twin brother. Um, he was roping mad. I wouldn't say, I was so much. I was probably more in the shadow than when I was little. Um, Really just wanted to be a bow racer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That didn't pan out. It did. I shouldn't say it didn't pan out. I just, sorry.
0: I said it often seems like that. Like you often hear people that were like, all I wanted to do was rope and I ended up with a bow racing horse or the other way around. Like it is quite common. Yeah,
2: yeah. And look, probably showing my age, but the breakaway has come a huge way in the last five years. But we didn't have social media when we were kids. We just had NFR vhs's and what we read in magazines that came in the mail. And the bar racing was the only part that was really portrayed. Um, if you wanted to go anywhere in rodeo, it was as a girl, you're a bar racer and um I guess that's all we knew. So that's what I thought I needed to be.
0: Yeah. I guess like it's breakaway come so far in the world in the last sort of five years or so. I feel like Australia was probably further ahead yeah. to a point mm-hmm. than America with breakaway mm-hmm. roping, hence just mm-hmm. having it in rodeos. But mm-hmm. even that mm-hmm. wasn't that long ago that breakaway roping was at every rodeo and equal money, you know?
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. The breakaway in Australia has been. Bigger and stronger, probably like in a proportion to what has been in other countries um, for a lot longer. But yeah, yeah, I remember as a kid, like I couldn't rope at that rodeo because there wasn't a roping. Or mum, my brother and my dad would be roping mm-hmm. for this much money, and I'd be roping for mm-hmm. half as much of it. Like mm-hmm. it's not that long ago, mm-hmm. but what it's done in the last five years is crazy and. I I think, going back to the, the question earlier, I, I think if it was what it was now and I was a kid now, I think I'd be a breakaway roper right from the start. There'd, yeah. there'd be no question. Yeah,
1: And, I mean, you're seeing it at, like, at the American, and with the social media, you can see it everywhere and these just badass breakaway ropers that are, like, you can see them making a career out of it and making a whole thing out of just being a breakaway roper now.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, there's actually it's... a path and yeah, and there's an end goal, and I think that's that's phenomenally exciting, especially for someone like me who has little girls. That well, yeah. one of them is showing pretty strong interest.
1: <laughs> She's always got a broken hand, doesn't she?
2: Yeah, she wanted to take it to daycare today. I'm like, mm-hmm. I just don't think they'll understand. <laughs> darling. There's gonna be a few
0: issues <laughs> for that day. <though. laughs> um... When you think about it, though, like it is pretty phenomenal how hot the breakaway roping is for like how sh- how quick it's, how how big it's come in such a short time, you know, compared to some of the other events that or all of the other events really in Rodeo that have been around for so long. The money sort of I'm thinking in America as much as Australia, but the money has only really been pushed in the last five or ten years um but the quality and the ability of breakaway ropers is just phenomenal and it's it is I feel like they're just increasing so rapidly like there hasn't been much of a gradual um increase with it
2: you know yeah for sure um and I I say it every week the depth in the breakaway roping and the and the actual girls roping is crazy at the moment and it just it's getting more and more and more um, every year. It just seems to be there's a breakaway roper under every tree and she's good. It's not like they're entering and they're donating. Um, I looked at the list of breakaway ropers at Easter time at the rodeos I was entered at and I think there was 60-plus girls entered. Um, Two years ago we thought that was insane. Now it's normal. And of those 60 girls, there's probably 40 of them that if I said – she won it um no one would blink an eye and then and then there's probably and like the rest of them if they won it someone would probably be like oh well yeah that makes sense she could have got lucky like um yeah it's it, it's crazy it's just crazy it's
0: so it's so exciting and i think like yes breakaway ropers should be so um proud of how how far they're coming you know and not that clearly there is a whole um, level of talent that was already there that everyone had, but they're moving along so quickly. Like it's only going to get better with the more money and the better horses and the more people that are coming out doing clinics like you are and teaching and the emphasis on breakaway roping is only just going to keep growing. And I think it's, it's so exciting.
2: Yeah, for sure. I think we're we're definitely here to stay and we're, we're here to make a name for ourselves. And I think that's probably been one of my sort of un-unwritten, unspoken things is that I really do want to give breakaway roping a bigger profile um, and a platform, and and really, you know, through the clinics and through our like personal sporting profiles, and really make it so that um, I don't really you know how to articulate it, but
0: you deserve like the talent in yeah. this pool is just you know increasing rapidly and that's what the yeah. sport event deserves
2: oh for sure and i don't even know that it's um i don't know that any of us are really there for recognition well i know i'm not i just love roping calves um yeah. and i love competing and i i love rope and events the fastest toughest um best girls around so that's why i enter and that's why i go and if i get to win on the day well that's extra special um yeah I, I my my take on it is I, I just want to see our sport or our event have a bigger profile and a a better profile and I don't know that we'll ever get to mainstream but more if more non-rodeo people understand our event and and are excited to watch it and we can get more sponsors on board and we can get more people excited about breakaway roping, then hopefully you know, maybe not in my time, but if my little girls decide to pick up a rope and go on with it, hopefully they're roping for something bigger and better than what I'm roping for now.
1: The fact that you're able to run clinics and fill clinics and stuff like that, like there's there's not many people that, can, that do run breakaway clinics. So um, like, you know, seeing a lot of young girls being able to have the chance mm-hmm. to go to a breakaway clinic and learn and, I mean, especially down home you know, back when we were roping, there wasn't there's still not that many um junior breakaway ropings, but when they run them, they fill them. Like they they, they want to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's probably why like how my clinics really evolved and I started running clinics was I had people or girls coming to me saying, you know, can I come and rope with you? Can I come and practice with you? can you give me help here or can you help me with this? And at the time I really, I was renting a house and living on a little farm and um, I didn't even have an arena myself. So I basically said, well, I don't actually have anywhere that we can do this, but what if we make it into a clinic? And it kind of just grew from there. And then, um, yeah, I probably don't do as many as I should. Um, I find it really hard to, organized dates around my kids and wanting to compete myself and then wanting to travel and yeah but I really have like in the last few years I really don't have trouble filling them they just they fill themselves and and I get a lot of girls coming back asking you know just just want more knowledge wanting you know they're excited about the sport and they're excited about where it's going and they want to be involved
0: going on saying you're renting a place you didn't have someone to kind of rope and things like that tell us how were you practicing kind of back in the day and I assume there was a lot of traveling and things like that and then how did you end up with Deadly like how did was there some really other massive horses in your career I guess everyone kind of knows him now and knows so or not so much about him but kind of knows of Deadly because he is such a phenomenal horse but how did you kind of get from where you were trying to just make ends meet, where so many people are, to having the arena, and, and I know you're doing some renos now, but having the arena and having this amazing horse, and yeah, how did that kind of all happen?
2: Um, well, life happened, I think. Um, I don't know if everyone would know, but I was like, I've been married before, um, that didn't go so great, <laughs> um. <laughs> So there was that, and then I think there was a big period there where I rodeoed, like just being completely honest, I rodeoed for the wrong reasons. Um, I was probably rodeoing to escape my home life more than anything. Um, And so the Um,
1: practice, like it
2: bugged me that I wasn't getting to practice and and that I wasn't um, getting to put in the effort because I am, even though I was rodeoing for the wrong reasons, I am a... um, I am someone that still wants to do everything 110%. Um, but, yeah, I, it probably wasn't my main focus. I was probably more in survival mode than, than anything. Um, and I was kind of just getting by on horses that I had. Um, yeah. I, I knew I needed a better horse and I'd been looking for quite a long time and um, I just really couldn't find one that I thought I wanted or needed. And then kinda of got through that bad marriage and got out of it. Um, and got my wife back together and then really decided that hey, I want to keep rodeoing, but I wanna do it for other reasons. I, I wanted to do it because I want to be good and I wanna um I, I wanna see if I can be the best. Yeah. Did you and take some time off? Sort of or all... did
0: you continue to rodeo through that? Like did you take some time off and just Practice and
2: try and find the right horses, or did you just keep kind of entering and making it work? Or a bit of both, a bit of both. Uh, At the same time, I have a job in the mines where I worked weekends, so I was only rodeoing like when my work schedule allowed me to, so I, I missed a lot through that. And then I've had a few breaks where I've just got burnt out and I've gone and played in the camp draft world for a little while, which I thoroughly enjoy and we'll probably go back to one day but it um I just don't feel like I can do all of them at once yeah so I did that I went to the camp draft world and played there and had some success and then deadly kind of popped up on Facebook for sale and he just kept catching my um, my eye and I eventually went and looked at him and bought him. And then when I, when I got him and I realized what I thought he was going to be, that's when I started to get really excited again. And that's when I started making an effort to, okay, I need to, um, I need to put 120 percent into practicing and and see if I can make this horse what I think he's going to be and what I think I can be.
1: Yeah.
0: Was he, like, how Sorry, old was he? Sorry, that was like,
2: all very rambly.
0: No, that's
2: fine. <laughs> was he
0: young? Um, um, he was young and memory. Three or four.
2: Yes, he was three or four. Um, he's very, very green. Probably had had a pretty rough start just in terms of, you know, basic education and stuff. And I took him home and I rode on him for six months and never even put a rope and saddle on him. I just put my fender and my snuffle on him and, and rode on him and got him to where I felt like he was broken up. I took him to, – I was still drafting at the time. I took him to some drafts and um, sort of tried to season him to atmosphere. He was really snorty. He was – he still is a little bit scared of everything, but he, back in the early days he was terrified of absolutely everything.
0: Um,
2: was he scared when you started rodeoing him? Like was that something that – No, on? no, this is the – this is a unique thing about Dudley is that he is absolutely terrified of everything. If you sneeze, it would scare him. If you shut the door, it scares him um, other than at the rodeos. When when there's atmosphere and when you ride him in the arena, he is 100% rock solid. Like he might look sideways at something, but he will not put a foot out of place until you rope your calf. Um, had some pretty wild experiences at the catch pen trying to get my rope back, but... <laughs> But while you're roping on him, he is solid as they come. It's very bizarre. That's
0: such a um, cow horse thing, isn't it? Like they're freak shows, but when you put them to work, they just go to work.
2: Yeah, yeah. And that's it's one of the things that's made him great is he loves his job and he's like, this is my job. This is, you know, this is where I have to be serious and I have to play the game and and then afterwards – he goes back to, like, oh, that lady over there in the pink shirt, she really scares me, like, because yeah. she's got a pink shirt on and that little kid's waving chips at me and I really don't, can you make them stop? I really don't like it.
0: So um, Deadly's obviously been the horse that's taken you to win your Australian title, your priority Australian title, and yep. the pro tours, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong. um,
2: um One on Deadly and one on it was before I had Dudley. I was riding a few different horses of other people's but mainly the most money or most of the money I won I won on a horse called Baffler of Christine Gauls and he is probably the horse that um he, he's the horse I called the Shane Record on um and he's the horse that probably really showed me what I needed in a horse yeah um he was the first one that I like I roped on and got on and I was like well, this horse makes it easy. This horse fits me like just one hundred percent fits me. Um, and it was he was a phenomenal horse as well. Um, but it was just like instant how well he fit me. And so then I, I was looking for a horse at the time, obviously because I was mounting out, and um, he kind of showed me what I needed to look for in a horse.
1: Yeah,
0: nice. Um, I sort of did. Did you kind of plan on having to go so hard on the road? Like, I feel like you were so Mm -hmm. on fire and then you were pregnant, having children. You were roping like amazingly and and I feel like you're at and still are at such a a peak in your career. Did this kind of all um, kind of correlate to where you're like, well, we're on the road having kids and we're going and winning titles? And is it just kind of like, a bit of a whirlwind or do you feel like it all maybe played in and helped each other in a, in a different way? I've kind of heard people who've had kids say that yeah. sometimes it's like a really good distraction in a way. Like,
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it wasn't planned. Um, Well, having, having kids was planned, but having kids and rodeoing be on the road with them as hard as what I was initially was definitely not planned. Um, I, I, knew I was pregnant and I knew I was due this is with Lexi with my first little girl I knew I was due in June which meant that I was probably going to miss all of the Queensland rodeos or all the big rodeos in the middle of Queensland uh, in the middle of the year sorry um and obviously had never been pregnant before didn't really know what that was going to entail and you know, how I was going to handle it physically and if I was going to be able to rope and then what that was going to look like after having a baby. So I said to Aaron, I just want to go down at the start of the season and do the Christmas run. And that was back when there was quite a few rodeos on the Christmas run still Um, and do a few other rodeos like down South and try and get enough one to qualify for the finals. So that by the time I um, had to pull up when I was pregnant, I would hopefully have already had enough one to make the finals. And then later in the year, I would be able to go to the finals. Um, kind of hit a heater and won like three or four of those Christmas rodeos and got a fair bit one and ramped the plan up. And yeah. was basically like, well, oh, heck, it's going okay. Let's just keep going and see <laughs> if I can get a, a fair bit one and not just get the finals made, but like, maybe I can get the finals made and and have like a really good shot of the title. Um, So that was plan B. And the irony of this is Lauren Smith, who's a really good friend that breakaways as well, was basically on the exact same trajectory as me. She was pregnant. She had a little boy 10 days after me. Um, And she was also on a heater. Um, So I think Lauren and I had about the same amount of money one. And it was just ironic that we were just on this, very very similar path. And so so I forget what year this was because um COVID. Uh, Yeah I I don't think any of us remember what the day or the time was mid-COVID, but basically when I decided okay I'm gonna stop competing and I'm gonna stay home and sit it out and see how I go, I had quite a lot of money stacked up in the standings, um, that very first rodeo I decided to sit out was the very first rodeo that was cancelled because of COVID. And then, well, oh, I guess yeah. we all know what kind of storm that ended up wow. being so a little friend COVID. Friend.
1: Yeah. So, so to to money
2: over. yeah, so, so then I was in limbo with everybody else, obviously, but I on the plus side I didn't have to sit at home and be miserable. Everyone was getting to keep rodeoing and watch them chase us down in the standings because no one was getting to go. But at the same time, I was was like, well, I've spent all this money rodeoing and trying to get like these points essentially. And now what, like, are we getting an Australian title? Is there going to be a season? Is there, it was just, as we all know, it was so unknown and it was day to day. And so that happened. And then we get through COVID and they, they decided to roll two seasons into one. Um like the second year into the last season and we would all carry our points over. So I was basically like, Well, okay, I've I'm this far in. And now I've got a, a what Lexi would have been six months old then, I suppose. So I'm like, I guess we're going back on the road to finish what we started. Right. Um so I rotated with her and then um, still Was that easy,
0: with her being so young like did she kind of take to traveling
2: yep. like yeah easily I, th- I think um my husband Aaron and I have a very big oh. manin house that's oh. the kids live with us we don't live with them yeah. um nobody tell Lexi that because she doesn't know that she thinks it's all about <laughs> her, but um we've taken our kids everywhere like whether it's whether it's down the paddock to go fencing or whether it's Aaron wants to go to touch and we we want to go watch Aaron play touch Mm -hmm. on Wednesday nights, or um I've pretty much taken them everywhere with me and so they adjusted really well to that obviously the driving can be hard on them I do as lot as a lot of it as I can at night time and they sleep and they sort of don't realise the miles they're doing in the car seat and things like that. But no, my kids have adjusted phenomenally. Um, Yeah. I really, I really can't complain. I mean, it's a very tough gig, but my kids have made it easier. Yeah. But sorry, we, I hit the road again with Lexi um, and they rolled the seasons into one and she was six months old, I think. And then, we kind of got to the end of what we thought was going to be that season and then COVID hit again. And so then it was like, well, now we still don't know what they're doing about having a finals and about finalising these titles and and everything was back up in limbo. And I had just woke or found out that I was pregnant again. So by the time the season that I'd started, I was – I can't remember, not very far pregnant with Lexi. And by the time the finals came around and I wrote that the finals, I was five and a half months pregnant with Georgie.
0: Wow. Yes, I do. Um this is all coming back to me. (laughs) It's all coming back. (laughs) It is all coming back. And it was such a it would have just been such a like long And like anxious, wait, just learn. Like the worst thing is no one really, it was unprecedented. Like no one really knew what was happening and how long it was all going to stay. But especially, I I think I remember talking to you about this and it was like you started the year and you you were going to go really hard and just make the finals and whatever. And it ended up being like a two, three year process.
2: Yeah. It was like two and a half years and two kids and a lot of fuel money and a lot of huge, big wins. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, um, probably as cliches as it is, I probably wouldn't change it. Um, it's it's so a good cool story.
0: So you rolled into that would have been 2021 national finals, is that correct?
2: Yep, but they were held in 2022.
0: Right, in Victoria. <laughs> yes. And this is where you kind of rolled in with two and a half years worth of rodeoing with a year of COVID two babies and you went to compete over four rounds that was held over two weeks
2: (laughs) yes 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 you've got it all correct (laughs)
1: and
0: so tell us about how that national finals how it all went it was held um in two different locations in victoria which was kind of and it hadn't been done for a very long time held in victoria and tell us how that all went
2: um yeah, I mean it all's well that ends well. <laughs> yeah. Um no the finals I enjoyed them. Um, yeah.
0: well,
2: kind I
0: of, um was sorry to cut you off, but what lead like how much did you have won coming into those finals?
2: would not tell you. Yep. Nice. I'm a mum. I don't I don't recall many things. <laughs> no, that's fine. um I think roughly I might have had like a $4,500 lead, which yeah. in the breakaway roping and like week-to-week week on Rodeo Road is, uh, is in my opinion, phenomenal to get that yeah. far out in front of everybody else. Um, it is not much of a lead when you take into consideration the points that are on offer at the finals. So it pays $5,000 hypothetical points to win a round at the finals. So I literally... I, I had a good lead, but I, I, it wasn't home and hose by any means. Um, yeah. and there was
0: very, but what was in, that? Sorry? I said it was a good lead in reality, but in theory, when we come to the national finals, it's one, one round, yeah. just one calf, one calf
2: yeah. and it's gone. And it was, um, it was gone after one calf. I broke the barrier. I was one nine plus 10 and uh, I didn't even break it bad. It was like, Oh, did she or didn't she? Um, and I roped my second calf good. I can't remember. I don't think I placed or I placed deep. And Steph Guard had won both rounds and had sort of come from the middle of the pack and had already like overlapped me in points and Steph's fierce anywhere on any kind of setup. So if someone like Steph hits a heater, you you kind of get a little bit worried. Um yeah. Probably the best thing for me about those finals was the fact that there was a break. Um, yeah. The first two or three days of that break were pretty rough. I I went and stayed at a friend's house, um, which was great. I didn't practice. I just trotted my horse every day and I really wanted to go on rope. I'm I really I'm one of those people where if things are going wrong or um, if I do barter to the rodeo on a weekend, like oh, I'm up at daylight on Sunday, working at it trying to get it better and that's not always the best way to go about things um yeah. so it was really good just to go there and just not have the option to go and practice anywhere and just trot my horse and really just try and be a good mum to Lexi and and do some fun things around where we were staying and and just sit it out basically um I really wasn't roping bad I actually was roping great I I just yeah. made, made one bad error at the line and and I thought it would cost me mm-hmm. one and a half years of work, really. Um,
0: did you walk into that finals? Like, I think um, roping is, for someone who's not the biggest roper, like, did you go into that finals knowing that you wanted to be the first round, you wanted to be, like, 1-9? Or were you kind of thinking, let's get them roped? What was your – were you just kind of going to take it as it was? Like,
2: um, no, no, my plan was definitely to go in and hit first and hit hard. Um, yeah. That's completely against my nature. It's taken me a long time to really, um, like, I've always wanted to be like that, but it's taken me a long time to step outside my comfort zone and, and be like that. Um, so that was probably what was why I was so disappointed was that i broke that barrier. And, um, but I hadn't, I had been, ex- like I did execute the plan that I I went there with and I roped great. It was just a small timing issue at the line. Um and then I – but the, it's 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 what happens like that week in your head when it's like, well, what do I do now? Do I, do I go play defence and then try to win a few small checks or do I just keep trying to hit first and hit hard and, um, yeah. and be ballsy and more or less take what, take what I've earned instead of, you know, hoping everyone else messes up and I've just got it by default really. Um so that was that was kind of always the mentality. And like I said, that's taken a lot of work to get to that point. Just because it yeah. goes against my nature, I'm not a risk taker. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, so he came back and won the third round. I think I was a one nine or a one nine five. Yeah, but still didn't have it won. I think that was that was the irony, and I was a little bit I was a little bit mad at myself about that. I remember sitting there that the day of the last round, thinking to myself, "Like you've been at this for two and a half years, Jane, and all the calves <laughs> and all the miles you've done, left it to the last calf. Like, <laughs> come on, Don. Yeah. Um. That. So I think, and I think that, I like, I wasn't angry, but I was just like, really, Jane. Um. So I think that was that was there, and I I do write good when I'm mad. Um. Mm-hmm. And the last the last calf was probably the worst calf that you could think to draw um really I got out good on it but it was slow and it like it stepped right to the left and like got up underneath me and I had to like check off it and wait and catch it and I was too slow to place in the round but I knew I just had to catch that calf um if for my average. average for my average check and then I was right um but the, yeah sometimes the hardest calves to catch are the ones you've just got to catch most yeah. of the time yes yes
0: wow that's so I don't know I love that story <laughs> I love it.
2: <laughs> it, it it's good now there's there was a lot of heartache and and there's a lot I of miles think. and
0: yeah and it, I don't I think with the amount of points in that that ha- that is out of national finals and the amount of just strange things that happen like oh. you never can re- well not never but it's very rare that you can set yourself up
2: to have it won like the second or third round, you know what I mean? To be safe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's. I th- I think my favorite part and my least favorite part about sport in general is that it's unscripted. That mm-hmm. we all know what probably should happen, and we all probably know who should win or who should do this or or things like that, like the outcome. But we just don't. We don't. You don't know. And strange things happen. And especially the it's like the bigger the stage and the more money that's on the stranger, the things that happens. And the I think that's the beautiful NFL. thing about sport.
1: As far as NFRs go and having to sit, sit that week, I think that I would probably psych myself out sitting yeah. around for that week. How do you kind of like mentally, like, do you do anything mentally, you know, any little tools or anything like that? Um, or like practices to not psych yourself out or to kind of
2: get, um, yeah, I think the, the thing that's helped me the most is I like I suffered horrendously from nerves and and probably from the mental game or a bad mental game for a lot of years, especially in my younger years. Um probably you know, obviously it's my own fault, but probably because it it wasn't prevalent, like it wasn't spoken about and it it wasn't taught and it was just like here's the skills, you know, go at it. Um but I've come to realise that you don't have to have all the skills if your mental game is is on par. Like sometimes it just takes, like I said, like sometimes it just takes changing your attitude and deciding that you're going to go out and win first and having the balls yeah. to like risk it to, yeah. to get you through that. Um, but definitely probably the biggest thing for me, and I teach this a lot at my clinics, is I'm really simple. I don't like I feel like everyone complicates everything too much. And I, I just have a really simple mindset and a really simple approach to everything I do in life. And I just don't like drama and, and all those lucky things. So I break my roping down into three steps. So it's basically right into position, swing square over my target and let it go. And when you obviously there's things that you tweak and fine tune and little things you work on here and there, but in the heat of a moment, um, or like say in the middle of that week, it's it's just basically that. It's like all I can do is those like follow the steps, follow the process that has got me to where I am, and yeah. see where it puts me in my race. Like execute it as best as I can, and see where it puts me in the race. That's all you can do. Do your best, and yeah. see we end up in the race. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So
1: tell us a little bit about breakaway which is your brand, I guess, the um, B-A-W-Y. Did I say that yeah. right? Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that because that's, um, you know, we've seen it a lot, a lot over social media. What is your aim with that? I know that you sell um, um, a lot of like the roping roping products. That sounds like the real race is saying that. But like the <laughs> skin the rope in them and the cutter things. Tell us a little bit about that and what yeah. is your aim kind of, with that business? Yeah.
2: Basically, I just feel like I wanted to build a re- brand around breakaway roping. I feel like breakaway ropers forever have bought and used and um, out of necessity products that have been designed for other things or other events. Like we've seen it since breakaway took off, like they're starting to bring out actual breakaway ropes designed and targeted and marketed specifically towards breakaway roping. Um but up until then, you know, we were just using whatever the calf ropers wanted in terms of ropes. Um, we were just buying bandanas as flags and it just goes right down the list. So I just basically wanted to be like, hey, we're here and we're not going anywhere and there's a lot of us. So let's let's like build something around the products and the things that we need. And at the time I also wanted to... Um, I wanted a banner to sort of put my clinics and my teaching and my lessons and a bit of the um, mental and the digital products that I've got, I wanted to put them under a banner as well and I really didn't want to just put them under my name. Um, just a little bit shy about putting my name, not, not putting my name on things but using my name as a business name and and marketing it that way. Um, so, yeah, it kind of just evolved out of that and all those little ideas and it's teeing away quietly and I get a little bit of time here and there between the kids and I do a little bit more on it and I've learned a lot about social media in the last 12 months.
0: I was gonna say that like as where we do a lot online as well and I feel like some of the biggest learning curves and some of the most like intimidating spaces I've been in are the last like five years learning about business and learning like online stuff and and how to promote things and um and just trying to like push different things online like work out how to do it the best way has been very intimidating and especially I think it's it's such a big thing for people in our sport it's just we're really not that not many people are doing it oh yeah for sure
2: um and I think that's probably been the biggest struggle for me other than the time with everything else I've got in life and the kids going on but I feel like I know breakaway roping and I know my products and I know the products that girls would need or want or like, but it's how do you get them in front of them and how do you promote it and how do you beat or work or embrace the algorithms and
0: yep.
2: uh, how do you find the time to do it? Because shout out to anyone who's an influencer or a TikTok star because I don't know where you just get the time. You
0: know,
2: it's it time is. consuming. So um, And then you just end up in the vibe where you're just like, I'm on my phone all the time, but I'm actively trying to do something or I'm actively trying to research this and, yeah. 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 Look, it's a letting curve.
0: Like, speaking from someone from the outside looking in at, like, everything you're doing online, I can speak for so many girls like it is something that people have been wanting for so long and that's accessibility to knowledge and, and you would understand that with your clinics but um, just more accessibility you can't be everywhere all the time and having that kind of um, being able to access someone who is such a professional and has one so much is is what people are wanting. I know that you're kind of going down the mentor route with your business. Is that, am I right on, on thinking all that?
2: Yeah, yeah, actually, very, very close to launching a, a mentor program or a mentor packages, as you would say. Um, I already have a few products that sort of support that, and then they've just, did, my mentor package has been built around those products. Um, yep. I have like a goal guide planner which has been a really big hit. And, yeah, I kind of built the mentor program to sort of build on from that. And I get a lot of girls saying, you know, like, I know what I want or I know where I want to be or I know, you know, I want to get from here and go to there, but I just don't know the hardcore steps. And they want to work hard and they're committed and they want to do it, but they're like, well, how do I take my roping from being, you know, I catch one out of ten. To I want to I want to be consistent, or I want to go from being consistent to I want to be fast, and then I want to be consistently fast, or I want to win. Um, so just helping people like get through those steps and give them some like action plans, and then some accountability in terms of hey, I'm going to be ringing on Friday to ask if you put the work in this week, and and not only to be like the nagging person that's hey, did you do your chores this week but more or less like is it working like is something not working what cropped up like or what if you try this um and I just feel like I have done everything I've made all the mistakes I've learned all the hard lessons I'm sure there's a few more still to come but um (laughs) I feel like I've done hopefully hopefully we see the light I feel like I have done most things if not everything the hard way and um I just want to say to people here's here's my lessons take them and learn from them so you don't have to make the mistakes I made like let's shortcut you 10 years and see where you end up
0: it's funny like I think industry like in the fitness industry there is personal trainers and coaches and seminars and everything everywhere and in the business industry there's so many coaches and In most industries, there is so much there there is so many coaching services and things like that. And people are so hungry to learn. And I think this, especially like our generation and the next generation, are so hungry to learn, but our industry is only now coming through with so many of these products. So I think what you're doing is so exciting. And and it's something that like me in Montana and, and there's a lot of people that are kind of Doing similar things, um, but I think it is so needed, and you're going to be so successful in that online space as well.
2: Well, I hope so. I hope I, I hope someone takes it and gets somewhere with it and um, sees the benefit.
0: There is so much need for it, and we're just getting busier. And I don't think there is a lack of work ethic with most necessarily with most people in this industry, but there is a lot of there's not enough information for what so many people are craving.
1: And professionals, like I think having that, having a professional hold you accountable in, there's no professionals like per se in our industry that back home, especially that are going to do that for you. So knowing like if I was broke or open, I have Jane calling me every Friday, I'd be like, shit. <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> having that accountability of someone else that, knows and you you
2: can see if they're putting in the effort yeah for sure and going back to what you're saying earlier um Cheyenne I actually shared a quote today on my Instagram page about every athlete has a coach and I was like except for rodeo people yeah <laughs> we just we're just winging a prayer and a bit of red yeah. Bull and see how we no see how we fare. Like and mistakes. like yeah they just and
0: it, in saying all this it's so exciting for them for kind of the next however many years and your girls because there is um, becoming more and more emphasis on coaching and information and um it's just becoming so much more of the professional sport that we all put we freaking dedicate our lives to we probably need this aspect
2: of it as well yeah I hope so and I I think it's just getting so expensive like it's getting expensive to get yourself down the road and to get set up and get calves and the practice and to buy a horse and the pay entry fees and stuff I think that people are realizing that hey if I'm gonna play I want to play seriously or I want to at least give myself the best shot Um not and that's probably another thing I've learned through coaching is not everybody wants to be a world champion and that's completely okay some people just want to get to a level where they're better than what they were last year or they just want to get to a level where they can go to the rodeo and compete and not be embarrassed because they like the social aspect of it and they want to be involved. Some people just want to be able to be ride safer and and help their kids and and things like that so I think there's it's a a huge market I think um yeah. I hope yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep me too. <laughs> Uh, no I
0: think it's so exciting and I think um, yeah I, I've said it a million times but I think we have big things coming for us and I think right has huge things coming for it especially with all these mentor programs and my I just want to put this out there I'm very proud of you and I know how hard it is I'm assuming you're kind of coming from someone who doesn't have like a huge background in marketing and IT and development to try and sit back and learn all this stuff is exhausting so I'm giving you props for that because
2: I've been there and it is fun yeah I like I literally feel like I spend more time googling how to do something technology wise so that I can actually put something together on something that I know a lot about more than I do actually um working on the actual business or the products I suppose you would say um yeah, if only I could afford an IT specialist.
0: Yes, I think we're all in that. We don't worry. Oh, God. Well, I think we've had an amazing chat today. Thank you so yeah. much for
1: being and nice. Where can we find all your, um, like, your socials, your website, your products that you're selling? Where do we find all that?
2: Uh, the website is www.bkwy.com. Co.co.com. <laughs> we'll put these in the show uh, notes thank christ <laughs> instagram is bkwy underscore co and facebook is just bkwy full stop shout out to all the social media people that made me have a different name on everything um <laughs> and my personal pages are mrs jane ryan on instagram because it sounded cool when I got married and Jane Ryan on Facebook.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll have all this stuff in the show notes anyway.
2: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank
0: you so much for chatting to us and make sure you go check out Jane's website and everything that she does. She is on social media all the time as well, getting around doing clinics and just
2: helping all
1: the peoples that want help. She thank you, thank out. you for
2: the chat and the acknowledgement. And if anyone's listening and they want help, or I get a lot of mum questions, and I'm all for it. I'm I'm here to make your life easier. So if you've got a burning question and you don't want to ask someone else, ask me. Yes. I've probably done it.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: don't ask me.
0: I'm not. <laughs>